Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening ah this should be a really fun show what i'm hoping for from this show is a flyers game 20 great minutes and 40 eh, <laughs> eh, forgettable minutes no we give you we give you the 60 minute effort unlike the team we cover uh so let's get right into it we have a lot or a little i don't know who has anything left to say about this team we're gonna find out right now and we're gonna start it off with stephalicious d steph driver so uh kevin hayes has not drawn a lot of attention really from the really angry fans oh, wait, but i think that- i i strongly disagree with that uh, oh i was gonna say maybe it's time there's a lot of people should. who are angry at kevin Hayes. oh and i thought okay. i thought like last night and granted like their second period was just phenomenal last night but like he was the most noticeable he's been in weeks in the second last night but i have people not so much on post game because i've curated a pretty uh we agree with bill audience there <laughs> but like people people on 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 bill people on twitter are like, how the fuck do we get out of this contract with Kevin Hayes? I'm like, okay, like he's scoring, he's not playing well. Like I won't say he's playing great, but scoring numbers are there. <laughs> he's our second best center, you know, depending on what you want to classify G as. But I do think there's uh, there's some criticism to be leveled at a guy who's you know supposed to be one of the best players on the team. Yeah, it really bums me out. Like, can we go back to liking him because? Right now, I'm not seeing any personality from him, and I'm also not seeing any scoring from him. So what happened, what in the world happened to the Kevin Hayes of last year? It's well, it, Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say what happened to the everybody from last year, honestly. Fair. So, Good points. So the point I'll make about Kevin Hayes, which is why I, I actually, in a way, like find him to be one of the most interesting players in this team, because last year... Everybody fucking loved him. And if you actually looked at his stats, they weren't good. Like, he didn't drive play. He didn't score much at 5-on-5. He basically just scored every game-winning goal and was incredible on the penalty kill. And the team was good, so everybody loved him. This year, his, he's driving play really, really well. Like, the Flyers are out-shooting and out-chancing the opposition when he's on the ice. Much better than he did last year. He's scoring better than he did last year. And everybody hates him. So it's just funny that it's like, he's probably playing, like, in terms of the things that are sustainable, and the things you look at as, like, a core aspect of a guy's play, he's probably been better this year than last year. It's just he's not doing the fun, flashy things this year that made everybody love him. Yes, but I don't necessarily need him to be fun and flashy. That's not true. I need him to be fun, but it doesn't necessarily have to be on the ice. But I do need him to do something on the PK and we all know what the PK 
has looked. Oh, yeah, and he's, been bad, he's been bad on the penalty kill. But everybody's a, been bad on the penalty kill. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that is, like, the huge part of it is shorthanded goals have gone extinct. And just the, like, yeah, we need the fun, flashy stuff, but, like... When was the last time you saw him just dominate the puck for a shift? It just doesn't seem to be happening with the regularity it did last year. And I'll say, like, his attitude, while it was so much fun last year, um, like, that's kind of the embodiment of, okay, yeah, they'll chirp and they'll say funny things and they're all friends, which is cool when they're winning. Mm -hmm. But when I want someone to just, like, cross-check someone in the face and it's just Hayes, TK, and Lawton making mean faces at people, it doesn't play as well when they're fucking losing every day. That is true. That's Mm -hmm. very true. And he basically had a quote the other day that was essentially the epitome of, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and that, that stagnation is a little bit of uh, people's frustration with this team that I'm sure we'll get into. Next up, we have the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So my take isn't really a take. It's more of a question. And I, I proposed in the outline that maybe we make this into its own discussion point and no one responded to it. So I guess we're just going to do it now. <laughs> so the question is... If you could pull an Inception with Chuck Fletcher, it's a reference to the movie Inception where basically you incept an idea into someone and then that idea, they just become fixated on it and they like have to do it. It's just going to happen. So if you could incept one idea into Chuck Fletcher, what would it be? So like examples, get rid of Jake Voracek at all costs, fire a coach, fire Vigneault, Trade for this particular player regardless of cost. Just blow the whole thing up. What would be the idea, the one idea, knowing that he's going to do it by any means necessary, that you would basically force Chuck Fletcher to espouse? Resign. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Is that a that right now thing? Or, or are you asking, like, an all-time I am talking like with the Flyers? I am talking right now... Do okay. something with the team. What's the thing you most want him to do and 100% agree with your opinion of how it should be done? Ryan Ellis. Go get him. Okay. Yeah, this was tough for me because just to pick one thing that I want to incept into his brain is hard because there are probably like five that I would like to force him to do. But if you're telling me I have to pick one, I think it's fire the entire coaching staff everybody everybody the entire coaching the entire staff. coaching staff all, all i mean okay like the goalie coach can stay but all the other guys like <laughs> why why are we letting him off the hook off. the goalies have been terrible yeah the That's goalies true. are the reason <laughs> they're this bad what's his face that we used to have before that was really good and then he jeff left? reese yeah get him back Anyway, it's fired the entire coaching staff. I've been having a lot of complicated Elaine Vigneault feelings the last couple of weeks that I've been trying to work through. And right now, uh, if there's one thing we're going to do, you do that. I just, like, listen. It still kind of blows my mind that people are ready to fire Vigneault. I'm I'm, I'm surprised, too. Here's the thing. We all. If you say anything about Rangers I'm fans, just I'm just going to jump through this laptop. I'm just saying that it's not like every single bad thing that not only them but other fans of hockey teams that aren't the Rangers that don't like Elaine Vino. All of the things that they said he was going to do, he's doing, and it's like, ooh, they're not good. They're not good things. I mean, what's he like? 
when you can't get a save and you never have more than one line going at any time, Not- well, I don't know, like, what... Okay, so I can't blame him for all the players being bad. Like when I, we when when Dave Haxall was here and every single player on the team was playing like dog shit, we all said, if every single player is playing like dog shit, what the fuck is the coach doing? And while that was the opinion at the time and I won't take it back, now that we're on to another coach and it's happening again. Like, listen, they get rid of Vigneault. What the fuck ever. I don't care. Uh, all coaches are bad. My thing Fair. is, like, man, what's he supposed to do? Like, I, It's so hard for me to turn on a coach who 12 months ago I thought was a top three coach in hockey and he wasn't He's three. He's supposed to know what to do. He's supposed See, to know. I have, I, I have Fair. a lot of sympathy for him right now because him and the players... It doesn't extend to the assistant coaches because I don't like coaches are all bad. So assistant coaches, what the fuck are you actually doing standing there? Um, because this is such a weird time. It's such a weird schedule. They've never played a pace like this. Um, you know, I, I was going to give Kevin Hayes the benefit of the doubt because he is one of the single guys that uh, Chuck Fletcher was talking about is having a hard time. Um, but like at some point, someone has to be held accountable and who is that going to be? So I understand how it immediately goes to Elaine Vigneault, but I do think like, I can, I can argue both sides of this because there yeah, does need to be you some accountability. I am Stephanie, both sidesmen. Both sidesmen. Um, there does need to be some accountability at the player level, just because we've seen this pattern before with one, two, three head coaches. I guess I am just, I am naturally a, I am a very naturally non-reactionary person. What? And deciding based it's your, on- It's your least, fake. it's your least attractive quality. Honestly. <laughs> Fair. Deciding, deciding anything concretely, like a hundred percent certain this needs to happen and this guy is bad and this coach is bad and everything is bad based on 38 games in the weirdest season ever strikes me as the epitome of reactionary. Now I'm not now, saying that things should be done, but like, I'm not going to decide that like Elaine Vino just sucks and every single coach on the team sucks and they all should be fired based on this year. You told me I had to incept an idea and I picked one. It's a That's pretty big one. idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, Charlie, what's your inception idea? My inception idea is that I think, they need to get a top pair defenseman. Uh-huh. Need, need to. It, I, I, like, and it needs to be a good one. Like, don't get, like, don't, don't sell me Rasmus Ristolainen and I will die. Um, but, like, they need to accept that Ivan Provorov is not a number one defenseman. And they need to go out and get a number one defenseman. Because I don't think you can be optimistic enough anymore to believe that Ivan Provorov is going to be that guy. So you got to get that guy. Like if, like, for example, I really like Josh Manson as a defenseman. I think he's a good player. If they sell me Josh Manson as the addition, I'll be annoyed because he's not enough. Because if you get him, then you're still asking Ivan Provorov to be the number one defenseman. Like Josh Manson is who you get if Ivan Provorov this year had a good year. And you're like, okay, Provy's our number one. We just need another good top four defenseman. They need a really good top four defenseman. And they Yeah, they need a one. Yeah, they <laughs> can't cut corners on that because that's going to be a hole on this team for years 
if they cut corners on it. So to me, that's that's the thing where it's like like spare spare no expense, get that top pair guy because you need it. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. You said so Ryan if, Ellis specifically. Specifically. <laughs> um, well, if it had been like through the season, my answer was going to be Alex Petrangelo. Like you, he should he really needed to go heavy after that guy this off season. Yeah, I just don't get the sense Petrangelo wanted to come to Philly. I, yeah, I, I think they, he's I think one they of them. The tires. Excuse me. I think they kicked the tires on it, but Peter Angelo. Peter Angelo <laughs> should have been a Flyers. Bill was Let, was yours actually seriously resign? Yeah, yeah. He's not, <laughs> what the fuck? He has added. He has added since the summer of 2019, which was good. He has added Derek Grant, Nate Thompson, and Eric Gustafson. That's not a GM of a team contending for a Stanley Cup. That's a GM trying to fucking tank. I mean, like, I, I just, else? I just think you're you're wasting an opportunity here, Bill, because you have the ability to control one extremely pivotal decision that will guide the roster, and instead you're just telling the guy to leave and then flip a coin and hope to God the next guy's better. He's I not going to be worse. Guy. I would want. I he could be a lot worse. Then doing nothing, watching yes. this team oh, crumble. You oh, could do yes. really bad things. Oh yeah, it's worse. Than right, doing so nothing. it's not okay. Resign, and it's not Chirelli. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. What, what? What are we doing? Like, he, he's what's he, Bert Toast up to? Uh, last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Yes, we're still on this part of the show. Oh fuck. Um, I almost yeah, lost I'm, track. I'm uh, real tired of this hockey season. Oh. How I is it that a shortened season is the longest fucking season ever? Because It's just nonstop, and as Charles just mentioned, it's absolutely miserable. If they were playing like they were last February, this would probably have been the most fun season of our lives. Because they'd play but every night, not. and it would be, yeah, it would be a great yeah. time. <laughs> yep. But as it's situated now, it's absolute torture. So, yeah. So Steph mentioned like someone has to be held accountable, and Charlie talked about not wanting to be reactionary. And I almost last night, really, in the midst of my anger during post game, almost talked myself into like, not talked myself into it, but I started contemplating. Should we just give them a pass? Like, should we just say, you know what? Everything is fucked up still. I'll see you in the fall. Sorry it didn't work out this year, boys. Like, I'm not saying do nothing in the offseason. And if you can get someone who's here for the future, this this trade deadline, like Ryan Ellis, like Steph mentioned, awesome. Make that happen. But in terms of, like, really... Firing the coach or trading Jake just to get the cap room, something like that. Should we really just look at this and go, yep, fucked up season. Wish it would have worked out better. Because, um, man, the way they're playing, like to play that second period last night and to then play that third period like it was two different teams. Something's the matter. Something is the matter with the team that's inexplicable. And I just almost... If it wasn't my job to talk like this and be fucking angry because everyone else is angry, <laughs> I almost like nah, like I'm not happy, but 
Billy, like, you can just do you can just do what I do and not be angry, and then have everyone be angry at you because you're not angry. I like when people are angry at me for the wrong thing. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what I prefer. But no, like, should we just? And I don't think I'm going to. But is it possible that we can, if we can separate, like Charlie talked about last episode? Because I was like, for eight years we've been going through this. Like, if we hadn't been going through I this for the last what eight, you were yelling about. yeah, if we hadn't gone through this for the last eight years. Couldn't we kind of see it like it's a fucked up year? Yeah. But since so, it is. I I think that this is a fascinating question because I think in five years, ten years, that's exactly how we're going to look back at this season. And that's like, why I'm everything like. Was, everything was real fucky. You know, the talent was there, but they just couldn't pull it together. And the world was also on fire. So like that sucked. But the world was real fucky. So I do think that that's going to be. To, to use a term that I hate, the legacy of this season for for most teams, and that's if we're like, looking at it. Like, look what's going on with the Canucks right now. They may not come back this season, which, like, th- this season is just really fucky. Um, I want, to, like, the logical part of my brain, the the part that is very aware that she's on multiple blood pressure medications, wants to say, Yes, like, yeah, the year is fucky, and we probably shouldn't have had hockey, so, like, eh, everyone right, else we're is getting working. to watch something resembling hockey on our TVs, and that's better than not having it, which we didn't have it this time last year. But the fan part of my brain is telling them these assholes to pull their heads out of their asses and remember that this season a cup is still going to be awarded, so... Why can why can you not compete for it? So I think it I think that the the way to go is it's it's both. It's you can kind of not get so the people that want to blow it up are in my mind a little too far on one side yeah, because I, I do think that the reason that you don't blow up this team after this year is because everything's fucky and nothing is going the way that it would in a normal year for a, a, a billion reasons. However, you should be pissed off about the way this team is playing because the way this team is playing is not only because the world is fucky. There's a lot of stuff going on that's problematic. And I do think that leadership in the front office needs to kind of do that too. Like say, okay, we're not going to write this team off because of what happened this year, but this year did expose a couple of extremely weak spots in this team that absolutely have to be fixed or yeah, we're like, not going to go anything yeah. going forward. There are exactly. things, there are things, that, like individual things I'm worried about. Like Provorov, like we said, he's not as good as I thought Big he was going to be. Phil yeah. Myers is not as good as I thought he was going to be. Uh, but like overall, unless I just want to completely rethink what I thought about this team, and that's why I think like something is something is like actually wrong. Uh, like these guys aren't as bad as they're playing. No matter how much we want to say, man, they suck, blow it up, and like I get it because hey, if there's even even if they're not as bad as this next year, say we go, we give them this pass that I'm referring to. And they kind of, they, they make some additions, but they kind of just roll, bring it back next year and say, hey, we're going to have practice, we're going to have training camp, everything will be okay. Like, say there's somewhere in between 
this year and last year. And they're okay. They're all right. They're pretty good. But they're not a cup-contending team. Then that's one more lost year of Giroux being who he is. Couturier being who he is. Like, at a certain point, someone's going to have to replace those guys' production. And this year has shown me that that guy doesn't exist yet. Like, maybe it's Bobby Brink. Maybe it's Zade Wisdom, Tyson Forster. I don't know, but they're not here. So... My view of this is, is it's pretty similar to what Kelly was saying, but basically, I think you can you can take this year for what it is, and you can you can logically say that you know I'm not going to bury Carter Hart because of this season. I'm not going to decide that Phil Myers is in an NHL defenseman because of this season. I you can you can decide that. You know, Travis Konechny isn't, you know, a mess because of the season. Like, you can you can believe that, but also you can't just throw out the results of this season completely. Like, we talked yeah. about this last week, that, like, yes, Carter Hart isn't this bad. I also maybe can't assume that Carter Hart is going to be a superstar. Maybe I have to lower those expectations a little bit because this year did happen. Can't just act like it didn't happen. It happened. So, to me, it's more that, like, you're taking— you're taking the results from this season. You're not throwing them out. You're adding them into the overall sample size of analysis about these players and about this team. And then you're making decisions with the goal of improving this team. Like, they need to have a big offseason. But a big offseason isn't necessarily trade everybody. Like, I I think my ideal offseason, I was actually going through it in my head today, like, my ideal offseason probably involves, like, five or six trades. Like, I want them to do a lot. I think they should do they a lot. They have to be active. But, uh-huh. like, I don't think doing a lot, like, let me put it this way. Jake Voracek, classic example. I am not looking at this and saying I need to trade Jake Voracek because I'm mad and the core desperately needs to be blown up because, you know, I want to throw shit at the wall because I'm an angry fan. I would say that you can make a logical case that Jake Voracek should be moved based on the fact that they need cap space to make the additions that they we, that we believe they need to make. Jake Voracek's underlying numbers this year were are bad. His underlying numbers the past two to three years, really aside from last year when they were just like decent, they weren't great. Like they haven't been good for a while, and he's 32 next season. So like. I'm not if I'm trading Jake Voracek. If I go into the offseason thinking like that's one of the things I want to do, I want to trade Jake Voracek. I'm not trading Jake Voracek. I'm not trying to trade Jake Voracek because I'm mad at the core. I'm trying to trade Jake Voracek for like an actual reason beyond anger. Now here's like can I just like like, 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 make the make moves based on logic, not anger. But the logic could actually end up getting you to some of the same places the anger is for some people. Let me just like when you get when you when you when you use that that anger to take you into you know. Let's ask Claude Giroux to waive his no-trade clause. Let's trade Sean Couturier. Let's trade every single young player because they're all bad. Let's fire all the coaches because they're all bad. Like, that's when you're going too far. Let me ask you this, because, like, a uh, Voracek is the guy who we can all look at the core and go, if we're going to make a big move, he's, you know, because the core is him, Giroux, and Couturier. If they're going to make a big move, he's the obvious one out. Considering the flat cap, like unless you're trading him to the Rangers, who can afford it? Would you rather trade him for a comparable piece, maybe younger, maybe a little more, but whatever, something that because the team taking on his eight million is going to have to send you something back? Is it better to do that and get pieces back, 
or just really hope Seattle takes him. Like, and you Seattle, have that. Seattle is not going to take Jake Borchek. I would be blown away. Like, I could see Seattle taking James Van Riemsdyk. I do not see Seattle taking Jake Voracek. If you want to get if you want to get rid of Jake Voracek, you're probably going to have to trade him in a deal that you are going to lose. Like you're going to lose that deal. You are going to get back a worse player, mm-hmm. but you'll you'll ideally get back a worse player who is cheaper, and then you can use that cap space to reinvest. Like it'll be hard. It'd be very hard to move a Jake Voracek because it's a flat cap era. No one wants to take on players, but everybody has players that they like you know are on bad contracts so you know you take back a guy on a five million dollar contract who's not that good but like hey you could use them on your third pair you could use them in your fourth line or whatever like you're gonna you're gonna lose a jake voracek deal. you're not winning a jake voracek deal but if you can use that cap space to then you know add a ryan ellis you know or or add a, a another good secondary defenseman just in case phil myers is just a third pair guy like, if you go out there and you're like, okay, not only do we need to get a first pair defenseman, we need to get, like, Ryan Ellis and Josh Manson. Because we got to go into next season with Phil Myers as our third pair guy. And if he proves he deserves to move up the lineup, great. Like, we'll use Josh Manson as our third pair defenseman. That works. But, like, maybe we can't go into the season thinking Phil Myers is our is our 2RD. That's fine. And if, that, if, if doing that requires you to take a bath in a Jake Voracek deal, then I think that can be justifiable. But again, this is coming down to like, you know, I don't look at the season and say Ivan Provorov is trash, but I do look at the season and say, based on this season plus the previous four seasons, it's probably likely he's not a number one. Like, that's Mm -hmm. my point about like, no, you can't throw this season out. You also can't look at it. Like, the idea that like, there's some people that seem to believe that because of this season, all of the Flyers' young players are bad, and the Ron Hextall era was a waste of time because the way the young players are playing right now is actually their true talent level. And if there's if the way they're playing this year is actually their true true, true talent level, then yes, the Ron Hextall era was a total waste of time because you got a bunch of nobodies. But like, I don't believe that's the case because if you told the same people back in March, hell, even back in September that all of the young players would be playing this poorly, and six months later you would think they all were terrible, they would look at you like you grew two heads because you shouldn't be changing your entire opinion about the entire young player core based on the weirdest season in history. That's my point. So we can talk... You're not wrong. Yeah. We can talk about what we would do and how we're looking at things. What is Chuck Fletcher going to do? Like, when you listen to him, we it's not like we hear him all the time. But when he says things like, yeah, it doesn't seem like the mix is right. What do you actually see him doing between today, what's it, April 7th at around 8.30 p.m. and September? Like, what do you actually think he's going to do? Like, is there a is there a huge move? Is there a big free agent he goes out and spends on? Is he like, yep. We're going to get Dougie Hamilton even if it costs us $12 million. Like, Is there something like that in the works? Is he contemplating what I suggested earlier? Like, do we just give them a pass? Like, What do we actually think Chuck Fletcher's going to do? He's going to get a I would give my entire life for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. My entire life. And you know what? I love you guys, but probably yours too. (laughs) Prude. For Dougie Hamilton? Dougie. I'd do it. I would be utterly shocked 
if he doesn't get a top four defense, or at least someone he thinks is a top four defense. See, that's what you just said. He's going to get one. He knows they need one. He's going to get one. Now, I worry it's not going to be the right one, Mm -hmm. but he's going to get one. That's what worries me is that I worry sometimes just based on his history in Minnesota that Chuck's not a very spicy man. And I worry that he's (laughs) going to think that, like, Mark Stahl is a good enough addition to bolster this defense. It, 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 it It wouldn't be that bad. I'm saying, like, what if it's Jake straight up for Suter? Like... Does that get anyone excited? Not anymore. What year is it? I was going to say, like, when are we doing no, this ex- trade? Ex- ex- <laughs> Talk to me seven years no, ago. Exactly. Ex- I'm not, not exciting. I'm just saying, like, his talent evaluation, what he thinks this group needs. Like, yeah, he he knocked it out of the park with uh, Niskanen and Braun in year one. Like, that worked. But, I mean, Justin Braun's been all right this year, and Matt Niskanen took his ball and went home. Yeah, everyone's got the, everyone's got the choice. It's it's his decision. Do you think but Niskanen like, would come back after the deadline? Why in the like, fuck would he play would he for come this, back to this team? Yeah, exactly. They're behind Just the Rangers. Saying. Like they're behind the Rangers now, based on regulation wins. Like they are in sixth Listen, place in a. We were talking in my dream world. We were talking about a top five, bottom three in this division. Guess what part of that the Flyers are in now? <laughs> like they're in the Buffalo, New Jersey portion of that top five, bottom three. Oops! Remember when we thought Buffalo was going to be okay? Remember when I predicted I, they I were going to make the playoffs? Okay. Remember when we and thought? By, that... And by we, I certainly don't mean me. Remember it when def- we thought that it was going to be Boston and the Flyers fighting for the top spot in the division? That that, that I do remember. Fun. I definitely we're never dumb. thought Buffalo was going to be good. I believe my quote was. Any team that has Rasmus versus the Lion as a top pair defenseman is not worth my time. I don't think we ever say good. I think we said bad but fun is what we were looking at the Sabres. That's possible. To be I, I may have said I'm that. pretty sure there were people here that were putting them in the playoffs. I had them in the four spot. I'm just saying. Well, you know, Bill's a spicy man. That's, and- I had Philly, Boston, Washington, and Buffalo. So, so here's the thing about those Niskanen and Braun moves. They did work. But they were mild salsa hockey moves. At the time, people hated them. I know, yes. I know, but, but they weren't. <laughs> that, that, but that is very true. They weren't like big time, you know, really move the needle hockey moves. Like they were just filling spots with bodies that we thought would be passable, and they turned out to be a bit better than that. Hey, we have a young we have a young left-handed blue line. Let's go get the two old right-handed guys who are available. Like they were good we, moves, but they yeah. weren't exciting. No, we really need as Charles said, you can't fuck around with this defenseman thing. Like they have to get a number 1 if this is going to be a cup contending team. And I just worry that Chuck Fletcher will go safe and reliable over big and sexy because not that it's easier to do the safe move but it's you don't get fired well no no that that's that's exactly what it would be it's because it would be easier to do this like like i'm and there's no risk he they're so risk averse at all times that i worry that he would be like well we we don't want to trade morgan frost and one other prospect, because what if one of them turns out to be really good and this defenseman's only signed for three years? Or some, like, bullshit like that. Like, he would talk himself out of it because of a bunch of future maybes. I don't think that that's the case, though. I like, hope We've not. seen so little of Chuck Fletcher. And what we've seen of him has been generally positive. Like, he came in and yeah. was like, 
Dale Weiss, out of here. Andrew McDonald, out of here. You guys suck. And he did bring Niskanen, Braun, Hayes, who worked. We weren't happy about it because it, it wasn't full of, oh, what do they say on Fly Purpley? Donkey sauce. No donkey sauce. <laughs> but like, it worked. And it worked well for the one season that they were all together. So I, I, ah, this is another one. And I think that I'm actually going to stick up for Chuck Fletcher more than I would stick up for Vigneault because he hasn't fucked it up yet. Yeah, I mean, my thing with my thing with Fletcher is that, and this is kind of why I'm, I I don't fully understand Bill's vitriol towards him. Like, what he did in the off season was basically, and like to be clear, it didn't work. But what he did in the off season, he basically said, "I think this team is good. I think my young players are good." And I think what I can do is I think I can roll into the season with these guys, bank cap space, we will be a good to great team without making an ad, and then I will go bonkers at the trades deadline, go out and get an Ekholm, and then we'll start rolling. And like, it didn't work. And he deserves criticism for that, absolutely. But I don't necessarily think it was dumb. Like I don't think that was no. I don't think the, I don't think those no. assumptions were dumb. They were just wrong. They were but like, wrong. I, like like it's 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 a it's different. It's a totally different thing if like I look at the process that led to decisions and I'm like that was fucking stupid and it didn't work. This is what his moves what his what he did in the offseason was he did something that like I understand why he did it. I get it. It didn't work, but like I don't think he was an utter moron for doing it. He just took a risk and it didn't pay off. And that and, stinks. But that doesn't tell me that like every risk he takes is going to be bad and dumb. And at the time, no, it did not seem it did not seem like the worst idea. But he gets paid to be right. And here's where sure, sure. here's where it comes from. Here's where my dislike for Chuck Fletcher and his plan comes from. Because looking back, and yes, we have we have the the hindsight. Like, we have that benefit. And it's unfair. He doesn't, you know? But life ain't fair. Here's where my problem with it comes from. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And when I look at this team right now, I think one of the problems, they have many problems. It's not just Chuck Fletcher's fault. Like, it ain't his fault that Carter Hart doesn't know how to stop the puck. There's nothing he can do about that. If you're getting an 880 save percentage, you're going to be bad no matter what you did in the offseason. But I see a team that looks a little complacent. I see a team that looks a little happy to be here. I see a team that nothing happened in the offseason, so everyone looked around and went, eh, we must be all right. And now we're a couple months into the season and nothing's happened, so everyone's looking around going, eh, we must be all right. Boss ain't boss ain't upset. No one's lost their job. Like the closest thing any anything like Shane Gossesbear got put on waivers. He's in the lineup two nights later. That's the closest anyone has come to losing their job. The fucking power play and penalty killer are a disgrace. Guess who's still here? The assistant coaches. The goalies are terrible. Guess who's still here? The goalie coach. Like nothing has happened. It's just it looks like a complacent team, and I believe his attitude this offseason, if not led to it. It built towards this attitude of the team that we're seeing right now. I mean, maybe, but that's also a very talk radio-ish <laughs> leap. What are we doing? It, maybe, but like I, uh, like I can't say for sure that like the the complacency from Fletcher in the offseason bled into 
the players like could have but i i can't prove that so it's just it ends up to me just kind of being like a nice talking point that sounds good that i can't actually prove and i tend to focus more on things i can prove we are going to take a quick break and we're going to get into more of this on the other side uh we'll be back i want to ask the question why are they the way that they are all right we'll be back in just a minute All right, fam, we are back with the second half of the show. Uh, if you like that first period, eh, we're going to take the second period off because that's just what happens around here. No, I, that's not us. That's the team. The team is different than us. Uh, so I, I said, like, I want to ask, why are they the way that they are? Like, Charlie, I, I get what you're saying uh, going into break, and I gave you that last point. You like how I, I didn't even rebut. I let you have I let you have it going to break, but here I am. I get to introduce the next segment, so I get to answer now. Uh, now it's why are they the way that they are? Like how can how can they have that second period last night, which is the best they've played all fucking season against the team that they cannot beat? Yes, they beat them the night before, and that was all well and good, but it's the Bruins who they cannot beat. How can they thoroughly dominate them in the second and then have it it was four shots but really like three shots on goal in the third period how is that even possible what is it about this team that makes them so bipolar i don't i don't have an answer that's that's the thing that's so frustrating about this yes is that I, I think, and that's why I'm looking for these narrative answers because I don't have hockey reasons. Yeah, you got. I wish I could give you like, yes, the goalies are an issue. Yes, the, there are players who are an issue, and not playing up to their standards. But it's so much. Every night goes wrong. Like one thing goes wrong, ten things goes. Wrong. Doesn't matter. You just tied the game, dominated your biggest rival. Yeah, we shit ourselves in the third period. Like diarrhea everywhere all over the ice here you go how is it possible i guess i guess my thing and again like this is just the way i sort of view hockey is that like was the third period good no was it anywhere remotely close to as good as the second period of course not but number one it's not like the flyers are the only team on the ice i'm sure that Cassidy, who is a very good coach, absolutely reamed out his players after the second period and was like, you guys are lucky that this game is tied because you guys deserve to be down 5-2 to two and you just got lucky that you're not. So let's make these adjustments. Let's settle down. Let's reset. And they did. And then for the first seven minutes of that period, whatever, I don't think the Flyers are playing well, but I don't think the Bruins were creating much of anything either. It was pretty much just a very, very tight-checking game. Then, the but Flyers that's the way the Bruins want to play. They're up in the standings, and they have two games in hand. The Flyers need to be the ones dictating. Obviously, they want to get to overtime. Well, Obviously, they're fine well, with tight checking. They can yeah, play defense. Like, the Flyers cannot. Yeah, but you're not going to dictate 60 minutes. Like, no one dictates 60 minutes of an NHL game. Can they, they dictate more than 20? Well, ideally. But again, my, my the point I was getting at before I was interrupted was <laughs> it's an even first seven minutes. They get the power play. About 10 seconds before they gave up that short-handed goal, they almost scored. They really, was, that was just I a believe, kick in the dick. I believe it was like Konechny who had like an open net and he yeah. like just missed tipping it in. They almost scored. They score on that play and like obviously it's like, well, you can't say what is. But like it's friggin' hockey. It's a sport played on ice where a 
rubber frozen piece of block skids around like shit happens they score on that play suddenly it's a great third period and the flyers had the big win instead they don't there's a a puck bounce battle that goes to jeremy lausanne that ghost doesn't play well marshan beats ghost Boom, you're down 3-2. You just gave up a fucking shorthanded goal, so you're demoralized. It's a goddamn shorthanded goal in a tie game in the game you can't win. The, the, the game you can't lose. They, I guess they couldn't win it. And then the rest of the period is Boston playing lockdown defense because then they are in the exact position they want to be in, which is protecting a lead against a team that is frustrated because the last month and a half, shit's only gone wrong for them. So, like, yes, the third period was infuriating and unacceptable and say all the words you want, but like hockey's fucking weird. Can we, and I really just love Charlie who starts the show saying he's not reactionary. I love when I get Charlie, like I can get, (laughs) I can get Steph with like, without even saying anything, but when I get Charlie, it's great. Can we just take a quick timeout? And talk about the fucking officiating real fast last night. Oh, God. Like, it was so and, and, like, bad. this isn't why they lost. There's a lot of reasons they lost, but it certainly did not help. Officiating is awful throughout the league for both teams every night. But, man, last night, it did, it really buried the Flyers. Like, if that they needed a little bit of help, like, uh, after all the, the shit they let go. I've seen all year. Yeah, it was uh, obs- obscenely bad. Like, I was doing the tweets for the brand, and there were at least... 15 Bruins fans being like, hey, Bruins fan here. That call is bullshit. It's like, it was just terrible. He got called for a clean, slow body check. Yeah. Just doing hockey. Uh, I have a couple points to make. Please do. One, one, big boy is playing pretty okay. He's not he looks better than Robert Haig. He well, does. Which, I would agree with that. Better than Robert Haig. is pretty okay. I'm not saying good. Well, just it's better no, than better Robert than Hague. Robert Haig is good that's sixth all, defenseman. Yeah, it's fine. That's yeah. all we need. Big boy is playing pretty okay. Um, next, now this is another excuse, but I I just need to keep saying it because we are absolutely fucking exhausted. These guys have got to be so tired. I and can't imagine. Playing, like after literally playing can't. a back to back, like maybe. They got extra smelling salts in in the locker room between the first and the second, and then there were no more between the second and the third. Like, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, though, is that Boston was on a back to back too. Mm-hmm. So I can't like, and, and I'm I'm very I'm a lot more open to the this team is exhausted reason, especially so last month. They definitely but are, like, but like you know, both teams are on a back to back. So I don't think I I just think like last game, you know. What was it? Tuesday? Today's Wednesday? Days aren't real anymore. Um, Like, Tuesday's game is just a game where, you know, the Flyers probably win that game six out of ten times. Probably. It's just Boston made a couple more plays. The Flyers didn't make some plays. And, like, I understand that that is not a, like, satisfying way to analyze a game. But you know what? Hockey analysis often isn't satisfying because it's a random-ass sport. I think it ties into the way we view this season, though. Like, yes, man, maybe this season's just fucked up. Like, without the context of this season, that game wasn't the worst thing of all time. But in the context of this season, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, outside the context of the last eight years, 
we can give them the pass for this fucked up year, but since we have that context, maybe the regime doesn't, but we as, you know, members of the media and fans do have that context. Like, I do think those things tie together. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, like, I go back to, I I don't know if I said it on the show, I probably did, but the moment when I kind of came to the realization that, like, this just wasn't their year, like, no matter what happened, like, this is just a year that... Regardless of what they do, it's not going to break their way. It was that Islanders game that they actually won. It was the game where Limblom scored to, to give them the lead. And it was when just they blew like the 3-0 lead. They dominated that yeah. game. They were so much better than the Islanders. So much better. Like it wasn't even the the Islanders barely looked like the Islanders looked like the Sabres for most of that game. The Flyers owned them. And then Hart gives up a weak goal. A puck b- bounces off a of Travis Sandheim stick. And then there's one defensive breakdown that ends up being a perfect pass to a wide open guy, and boom, it's three three. And it's like, if you're the friggin' Flyers and you're you're playing that game, and I, I I give them all the credit in the world for somehow coming back and winning the damn thing. But if you're playing that game, you're just like, what the hell do we even do? Like we played as well as we could have played against the team that had our number all of last season, and somehow against all odds we're having to squeeze out a win that we should have cruised to. And why the game was just like, nothing they do is going to matter because this just year is just the year from hell. That's a great segue because with 18 games left, we know what this team is capable of late in seasons. We've seen the runs they've gone on even when they're not one of the best teams. Like, they're not this year. You think they have a chance to go on a playoff, like uh, not a playoff run, a run to the playoffs? No, Do they make not. these final eighteen games interesting? I no. think, you know, I think they make these games interesting because I think they're going to win a decent amount of these games. Like I don't think they're going to collapse. I just don't think they can catch anybody. That's... I, I think like I think everybody else is going to be winning too. So like I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. Like I don't think April is going to be like March. And I mean, hey, it might be because who the fuck knows? But like. I think they're going to win games. I think they're playing better as a team right now, and Hart doesn't look like a total dumpster mm-hmm. fire anymore. But, like, the Bruins, I think, have seven games left against the Sabres. Yeah. They're not catching the Bruins. That's <clears throat> And that's what I wanted to get to here. Like, right now, in, ter- in terms of points, just to put it in context for everybody, uh, they're tied with the Rangers in fifth, just in total points, 41 through 38 games. Both teams have 17 regulation and overtime wins. The Rangers have three more just regulation wins. So the Flyers are, by third tiebreaker or whatever, in sixth place. Boston has a five-point lead on both the Rangers and Flyers, and they have two games in hand. Like you said, those games are against the goddamn Buffalo Sabres. Um who you know could be trading even more of their players away and they only have <laughs> they only have like three good players at this point so it looks like the playoffs might be kind of set i just one there's 18 games left and we all got to watch them all i want to be <laughs> interested and we know what this team has done in the past with these kind of back against the wall situations i don't think it's totally out of the question but if bill was going to put some of bill's hard earned money on it it would not be on yes they're going to make the playoffs Listen, I think that this team, because because they are the way that they are, are going to keep us hooked until the very last game. They had me last night. Uh, that's honestly no. my anger today. 
is because I actually fell for it in the second period last night. I've been <laughs> I've been at peace with the way this season's going to go and honestly getting getting to go on vacation 2 weeks earlier and not having to do the playoffs after a year like this. Cool. What the fuck ever. But then in the second period last night after they had beaten the Bruins the night prior, I was like shit. This really is it. It's finally that turning point we've been talking about for a month. All those wins in uh. March when I outlined last week like every single one of them should have been it. I thought that was it. And <laughs> then, of course, the third period happens. And now I'm mad at myself more than the team. I'm mad at myself for buying into it. After having seen the way this season has gone, why you did I do it? You know how this goes. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, more, it's a me problem. It's not even, that's, why, that's when I started thinking, should I just give them a pass? Is this my fault and not theirs? I don't think like and I don't think anybody should give the Flyers a, a pass. Yeah. Like that that's the wrong way to look at it because that's just, you know, you can't pass. You can't give a team on a pass when they're as talented as I think the Flyers are agreed, and they just agreed. Yeah, and they just don't get the job done. But I think there's a difference between like not giving them a pass and not like utterly burying them in a grave and leaving them to wither and, you know, just like, you know, I, I I think there's a middle ground here. I guess that's, but I, that's generally speaking my view of life. So, do we think that between now and Charlie Monday, both sides, man. <laughs> do we think between? I didn't hear what you said. Do we think between now and Monday that Chuck is going to attempt to bring in anybody to assist with a playoff push, or do you think that they have come to terms? I don't think he should. I, I don't think he should I either. Think he's, I think he's going to try, but I I really don't think anything. I do hope that he is deadline. listening to offers on just about every single player on this team. I, and I'm sure that he is. I just I think that this is going to be, and maybe it, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I think this is going to be a really boring and quiet trade deadline. There aren't a lot of teams that have cap space to yeah. do a lot of things. I mean, that's one of the funny things is that one of the few teams that actually like prepared for the deadline and saved cap space to be able to make moves are the Flyers, yeah. who now aren't playing well enough to justify making moves. So you lost one of the few teams that actually had the space to go out and do something big. And like, you know, when we talk about bringing somebody in, like a 32-year-old rental, no, that's a horrible idea. You need to target guys with term. Like, you need to target players, because this this is a lost season. You need to target players who can, like, contribute next year and in the next couple of years when they're actually going to compete. Because that's, this year, listen, they might go on a run, they might not, probably not. But doing it for this year, that's just asinine at this point. Speaking of players with term... I'm going to float a name out there to you guys. I'm going to float a name without comment, and I want you to react. Shea Weber. Get the fuck yes, out of please. here, driver. Yes, please. Fuck? You know, Steph. Give me Shea. Steph, I... I love that motherfucker. I'm not going to lie. There were points of this season where I thought to myself, like, you know... If that contract wasn't as long as it was, like, Shea Weber is kind of exactly what this defense needs. I hate all of kind this. Kind of so is. Kind of is. Kind it's of just is. like it's just like, do you want that contract? Yeah, the they issues. can buy him out in three must years. We, must we revisit always? Must we always yeah. revisit? Yes, this is the Philadelphia Flyers. I know why. Ever though. since he turned, you need a one D with term, right-handed shot, physical, right-handed shot, physical. Will beat the shit out of people. Like, yes, 
a yes. great leader. Yes, Weber. Yeah, he's got the leadership. Like Weber does, as solely as a player, Weber does fit this team's needs. Ever quite well. since he turned I've buckled Henrik Zen- Zetterberg, I've I've mm-hmm. wanted him, and I've never stopped. <laughs> like. I, I, I would like credit for this when this is all anybody is talking about for the rest of the world. I can't. Is, is Montreal like in a? Like, are they trying to move on no. from him? And, no, I, no. I, I don't think. I mean, I think there's also an element of like, <laughs> who wants to trade for that contract? He's still a good player, but it's like, who wants to trade for that contract? It's a monstrosity. Yeah, screw it. Like the team's fucked by the time that thing really comes to fruit. Like. It, Couturier will be gone Drew will be gone they're screwed either way like try to get it in the next couple of years Uh, so since we're talking about deadline speculation and just players who could be in and out what's up with all this Lawton stuff like he's highly valued around the league which is cool he's exactly the kind of guy you bring like I can see it like he is yeah Yeah. he is I, I think I think part of it too um, and this is something that anyone who follows the NHL closely should know. Part of the reason why Lawton, his name is out there to the degree that it is, is because the Leafs want him. Mm. So because the Leafs want him, everyone in hockey has <laughs> to be talking about it because it's the fucking Maple Leafs. <laughs> like, do I think they're going to trade Lawton? Guys. I mean, it could. You know, if if they can't work out a deal with him that that the Flyers feel like they can fit, then yeah, they could move him. He'll bring back some value. How? That said, that said, like they like him. Lawton likes Philly. I, you know, I think it makes the most sense for both these sides to figure out a way to get it done. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get it done. How Trade him, fuck? get a pick, and then sign him when he's UFA. I was thinking the same, but I kind of don't. Wa- I love Scott Lawton. Kind of don't want to pay a UFA price for Scott Lawton. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if he really wants to be, I, I just Come that that to now. me. Yeah. Those types of things strike me as very fan dream yeah. thing. Like, do they happen once in a while? Yeah. They don't happen as often as fans want to believe and they will happen. They definitely don't Usually happen. Usually if you trade a guy, he doesn't come back to you. They definitely right don't away. happen for sixth place teams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, the, how, the fuck, how the fuck does Toronto have a loony and a toonie to rub together to bring in anybody? Like... I realize it's all like it's all like long term IR I stuff. Know, the, that, I know those gymnastics and whatnot blows my mind that they have a dollar. A um, little bit of time left here. What's up with Joel Farabee? Yeah, tr- so uh, leave my son alone. Three, he's not playing as well. He's, he's not he's a, playing as well. But also, do you get like is putting him on the fourth line for eleven minutes a game going to get him going? No, but playing better. If you play better, you're not like that's one thing. I I actually I completely agree with the decision to put Joel Farabee on the fourth line. Doesn't bother me. Why. And I love Joel Farabee, but like like that's a Vino criticism that I really don't have time for because like What's you want the ice time do? kid play better. Yeah. So here's the thing. Okay, it's the selective accountability wheel of nonsense that's been going on all season because Kevin Hayes looked like who hot has garbage. great underlying numbers. Fifty five percent expected goals, four percent. It's just saying. Is Elaine Vigneau on the bench thinking about Joel Farabee's underlying metrics when he's deciding to push him down to the fourth line? I don't think so. No, but underlying. No, but I'm saying that maybe are... Kevin Hayes isn't playing as poorly as people think he's playing. As like, listen, he was I'm standing not... perfectly still watching Patrice Bergeron score a goal last night. I think I was moving more than he was when that <laughs> goal happened. I, I'm not the I'm not the statistician that Charlie is, but like, 
the underlying numbers are kind of just a numeric representation of what is actually happening. I like, know. if you're at 55% expected goals, that means you're winning the majority of your shifts. And I'm not here to stick up for Kevin Hayes. I thought he had a great second period last night, but I thought he sucked for a couple of weeks. Um, I, He's been soft to me. But, like, I, I don't know. He has... I, I get just giving the veterans more leeway because they're veterans. Like, they've shown you on a bigger scale what their more... Ca- their average, you know what their average is. You don't necessarily know what Joel Farabee's... You know what he looks like when he's great, but you don't know what his... What's his game-to-game? Like, first 22 games, 22 points, 11 goals. Look great. Last 15, he's got five points, three goals. No points in his last six. Hasn't scored a goal since the Devils game on March 23rd. Do, do Devils games even count? Like, no. I, I just think, in all honesty, like, I guess I don't see the these, like, enormous double standards that people seem to be saying. Like, to me, there's there's maybe two guys on this team this year that have gotten more leeway than I'd be willing, than I would have given them as head coach. The first guy is Justin Braun before the pause. I thought he was terrible. He probably should have been the scratch rotation. He wasn't. Since the COVID pause, though, he's been fine, and I'm totally fine with him being in the top four. But, like, I think he probably should have been in the scratch rotation the first half of the year, and the fact that he wasn't going to be getting held accountable for really poor play, I disagreed with. And then Voracek. I think Voracek has had stretches where he probably deserved to be put on the fourth line for a game or two because he was not good defensively. But I I understand with him that there's some guys you can there's some veterans who you can you can do that to and they'll take it in a good way or at least not a terrible way and there's some veterans that will really take it in a bad way. And Jake might be one of the veterans who they're just like, okay, maybe he's not playing well, but if we piss him off, he's going to play even worse. So it's just not worth the fight. Yeah. That's I, I feel like Jake's someone you can say anything to, but the ice time thing it doesn't play well. Go ahead, Steph. Yeah, so just to go back to Joel Farabee, another point that I've been making, they've never played at this pace before, and he's so young. He absolutely has not played at this pace before. I don't think he's played enough... Well, again, it's not a full season, so I I take that back. I was going to say he's never played a full NHL season, but this isn't that. Um, But he's so young, and they're all so tired. That's not why he's on the fourth line, though. Like, that's why Oscar Lindblom got a night off. That's why Nolan Patrick got right, a night off. Right, but Joel Farabee, Joel Farabee hasn't is, gotten a night off. Yeah, but he's not being put on the fourth line for rest. He's being put on the but fourth line he because is. he's not playing well. Yeah, exactly. Which, I'm again, like, I don't really have a problem with because he but, isn't playing that well. I, I understand <laughs> that, but also this is a team that needs to score goals. And if your leading goal scorer on the team... Is he still their leading yes, goal scorer? Not points, but goals, yes. Okay. He... If you're... If you need to score goals, like perhaps you give that guy a little bit of rope and see where it gets you. I think his rope is staying in the that's the thing. Like we see Patrick and Lindblom who haven't been productive, they're out of the lineup sometimes. Joel Farabee has enough rope to at least stay in the lineup. And if we shuffle the lines, like, yeah, maybe he starts in the fourth. If we shuffle things, if you're playing well, you get bumped up. Maybe you get some power play time. Like, I think and that's he, and, his and the rope. Thing is, he did start on the first line last night. 
Like, that's the thing. He yeah. started that game on the first line, and he didn't look good, and then they bumped him down. Like, that's giving a guy an opportunity to get a scoring role. And if he's looking like dog shit, then fine. I mean, that's the, that's the whole reason why we wanted depth in the first place. Where it's like, okay, we have a good fourth-line winger who, if he seems to be rolling that particular night and our first-line winger just doesn't have it, we can flip them. You know, you can't do that when your fourth-line wingers are Dale Weiss and Yori Laterra. You can do that <laughs> when your fourth-line wingers are Nick Albe Cubell in theory and Oscar Limblom. Well, he's another one. The good old days. Well, yeah, he's been bad. But in theory, that's why I said in theory. It's just, I don't know. I guess it's just because... Everything's going so badly that it's hard not <laughs> to pick apart every single thing that happens. And that's oh, totally. I agree. If they had I one just... last night, I wouldn't give a fuck that Joel Therapy was on the fourth line. Let's be serious. <laughs> but here we are. And like, I want to make just to Steph's point uh, that like the pace they've played at. Farabee's a college kid. Like they play the fucking weekends. Like yeah, they get five and days. That's he he yeah. played all of last year. Though. He did. Like, he did. Uh, it, 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 look, it could it Wasn't be that he up and down. Am I? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but not really. He played most of the season. I Look, is it possible that Farabee's tired? Sure. Maybe fatigue is playing a role in the fact that he's struggling. Maybe he's just struggling. I'm not here to try to, like, determine exactly why Joel Farabee is struggling. If it's a physical thing, if it's a mental thing, if it's just the puck is bouncing his way. I don't know. What I know is that he hasn't been playing that well recently, so... If he's not playing that well, I'm cool with not using him that much until he starts playing well. And, and the if difference he has, if he has a good first period on the fourth line, bump him up. All good with all good by me, but like you gotta have those games. The difference between great and pretty good and is consistency. Like that's the difference. And what do coaches like what do all young players struggle with? It's consistency. Like it, it it's not shocking to me that after an awesome start, he's like kinda sucking, but they need him badly. That's kind of like the depth. He's a good look. The Joel depth Farabee's hasn't been. Yeah. He just he just might not be a great player yet. Yeah, and that's fine and, because he's twenty one. Yeah, twenty one. Like, and that's that's part of the problem is the depth in terms of having more than one line going at any one time has not been there. Like, yeah, that that true. Couturier that Couturier Faraby JVR line was fucking amazing for a lot of this season. And right now, I think the uh, Giroux Voracek Konechny line is looking pretty damn good. But who is on a nightly basis like the other line? It's it's up in the air for them, and that's why they don't win a lot. Um, I do want, do want to point something out there because you brought up Couturier. Anybody notice that ever since he had that game where he had to sit out because of the hip thing? against the Islanders, that surprise scratch, mm -hmm. that he has not looked like Sean Couturier. Oh, yeah, he's hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, he is definitely playing hurt. 100%. I, I mean, I, that, that's not like a, like, I'm confirming that because I know for a fact, but, like, I'm watching the guy play. He screams to me a guy who's playing through injury. Which, like, why? Just stop, buddy. Why? You, this isn't the year that you need to push yourself. They're just hockey players. I feel the I same know. way. Like, I wish they wouldn't do that shit in lost seasons because, like, we, we're going to need those miles yeah. at some point. But exactly. I, they're just, that's how they do it. Uh, anything, anybody have anything to say about Carter Hart? He looks better. Yeah. He looks like better. not the worst. Yeah. Yeah. He looks, I think he was, he was really good on Saturday. He was really good on Saturday. He was not as good last night. But he looks, I think that we can find a little bit of joy. And the fact that he was remembered how to stop a hockey puck. <laughs> I think he's found a little bit of joy, which is great That's to see. That's what he needed. Because even after last night's game, he wasn't like 
dejected. Very obviously dejected, yeah. which was nice. He was just like, yeah, I, I could have played better. You know, I, you know, it wasn't a terrible game. It wasn't a great game for me. You know, I'm disappointed we lost, but it was a far cry from the way he was looking in March. So I was happy to see it's that. It's one I, thing I, that I, is no longer engulfed in flames. Yeah, he's, at the for very now. least, I think he's addressed enough of the issues in his game that he's not going to be a sieve for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And just to address Carter Hart, he cannot be sent down to the AHL. There was an article floating around last week saying he just needs some time in the AHL. We would have to waive him, and there is no way that Carter Hart is clearing waivers. So let's not read those crappy articles that say he just needs some time in the AHL because that's not possible. And, like, I don't see how a goalie struggling at the NHL level benefits from facing worse players. Like, I'll never under... That that doesn't do it. Especially a guy who's been here three seasons now. Like, it just... Well, you know, if it was possible, I was not against it. I had actually asked Charlie and Maddie maybe two nights prior to that article getting published. Like, is it possible? Like, could he go down and work on his mechanics against lesser competition? And they both told me, no. He's played above the limit. He would have to be waived. So that was a very easy, oh, well, that was a dumb question and dumb thought process. To wrap things up, um, does anybody think, whether it's the 12th, uh, the trade deadline, or by the time the puck drops on next season, Shane Gostas Bear will be a Philadelphia Flyer? No. No, not next season. I, I think. I think they've... As it's such a shame. It is. I think they. I think I. I know for a fact they tried to move him last off season, yeah. and it got to the point where basically the only way they were going to be able to move him is if they paid another team to take him. They made the decision that well, we're not going to make any big moves. We don't need to do that. We don't desperately need to clear up cap space to pay someone to take him. This off season, they are going to need cap space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they are going to do that. It's. Huh. It, I just. Man, I know it's a long time ago, but those first three years in the league, like that rookie year when we needed something so bad and he gave it to us, like him and Braden Shen put them in the playoffs, uh, not mm-hmm. sen- I guess double-handedly because it was two of them. Like those two did it. Uh, and watching him play, yeah, does he make defensive mistakes? Is he a perfect player? No, he's fucking not. But somewhere with a clean slate, I can't wait to see that guy do what he does. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he'll never get the shake he needs here, and it's it's neither good or bad, it's just what is at this point. But, fu- like, he's a fun, exciting... I I was... J- That's what did it for me. When he scored that goal last night, I was it in. It was nice. I yeah. was in again. I was like, yep, yeah. they're going to the playoffs, baby, because <laughs> like, he's an exciting player, and he's an he emotional an player, player, and he'll actually say something every now and then, which is like, holy shit for this group of guys, <laughs> like, uh, and really the sport in general, but uh, I- I'm going to miss him. That's I'm not saying he should be playing top pair minutes. I'm not saying they don't need the cap space. I'm just saying I'm going to miss him. And I've really enjoyed getting to finally, five years in the making, see the Ghost and Moran pair. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I see where everyone is coming from here. I just am not quite ready to give up on the man yet. Just because, you know, exactly what Bill was saying. Those, those three years were oh. so good and so fun. And he's been mostly good this year. Like, yeah, again, is he great? No, he isn't. He's nowhere close to what we thought we had, which was Mark Howe and Bobby fucking Orr when he came up. But 
Yeah. Uh, God damn, is he fun to watch? Like, <laughs> you take the mistakes, but he is fucking Agreed. fun to watch. Yep. Anybody have anything else? No. I think we did a lot tonight. I think so, too. Charlie wants to get out of here. I can tell. No, I really have to piss, and I didn't. I didn't this time because you guys <laughs> oh, talked so much shit. Guys, <laughs> you don't want to know what happened when I took that break last week, all right? Uh, so that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio tonight as, as they all just turn queasy uh, that is all the time we have for you on broad street hockey radio this week thank you all so much for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already hit that subscribe button just search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts click subscribe and boom content delivered to you daily so much shit i don't want to go through because we all want to get out of here you know what we have if you don't click subscribe you'll find out my name is bill Matz for steph for charlie for kelly have a great week everybody are you ready to talk about yeah!